The Lord be with you. It can be hard to see Jesus. That's what our scriptures are about today. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he can't because he is small and the crowd around Jesus is big, and so he can't see Jesus. But ironically, when he does eventually see Jesus, when Jesus becomes a guest in Zacchaeus' home, it is the crowd's turn to not be able to see Jesus. They can literally see Jesus, but on a spiritual level, they can't see Jesus because they say Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You see, no one ever likes tax collectors, but Jewish tax collectors who worked for Rome were particularly despised. You see, Rome didn't have a nice centralized bureaucracy like the IRS. They couldn't go around and have everyone's income and then appropriately say how much this you owe. No, instead, what Rome had was a conquered nation of angry Jews whose language they didn't speak, whose culture they didn't understand, whose religion didn't make sense to them. And so rather than knocking on each person's door and telling them how much they owed, what the Romans did is they sold the right to collect taxes to locals went like this. The Romans would say, okay, this is how much money we want from Judea. If any one of you is willing to pay us that much money up front, well then we'll give you a license to collect as much taxes as you want from everyone in the country. If you get more than what you paid us, that's great for you. Now, what this meant is locals could use their knowledge of their neighbor's culture, their neighbor's language, their neighbor's spending habits, where their neighbors like to store their cash. They could use that knowledge to shake down their neighbors for the money. But of course, do you think they wouldn't shook down the rich folks living in fancy homes with gates and guards in front of them? No. They shook down the simple people, the ordinary folk who couldn't afford to say no. That's who they shook down. And so as a result, tax collectors are despised. And so when the crowd sees Jesus go and become a guest of Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector, they can no longer see Jesus because all they can see is the exploitation of the poor. All they can see is the betrayal of their community. All they can see is a corrupt institution which Jesus has just invited himself into the center of. They may as well be saying what the prophet Habakkuk says. Why do you make me look on wrongdoing? Why do you make me see... What's the other one? Man, what's this right? Why do you make me see trouble? There you go. Why do you make me see trouble? Why do you make me look on wrongdoing? Habakkuk says that for the exact same reason. You see, Habakkuk is also looking for God, and Habakkuk is looking for, all, looking for God in all the places where Habakkuk expects to see God, right? Habakkuk looks at the temple and looks at the high priest. Habakkuk looks at the kings, but when Habakkuk looks at the temple and at the priests, all Habakkuk sees is wrongdoing. When Habakkuk looks at the kings, all Habakkuk sees is trouble. And God says to Habakkuk, don't worry about it. I'm going to bring down these corrupt institutions. I'm going to use the Babylonians to do that. And Habakkuk looks at the Babylonians, at the violence and the destruction that they bring. And Habakkuk says, that's worse. 
Habakkuk says to God, why can't I see you? Why is all that I can see the exploitation of the poor? Why is all that I can see the corruption of institutions? Where are you, O God? Why, when I look to you, do you make me see only wrongdoing? Why, when I look for you, do I see only trouble? We could say perhaps that was Luther's response as well. A little over 500 years ago, when a young German man went to look for Jesus, He went to look for Jesus where he thought he would find Jesus in the church. He became a monk. He joined a monastery. He thought, this of all places is where I should be able to see Jesus. But when he went and looked for Jesus, what he found instead were popes who said, oh, you want to see Jesus? Well, here's the deal. You got to pay me money for an indulgence, a piece of paper that says this is your ticket to go and see Jesus in heaven. When Martin Luther went to look for seat, one went to look to see Jesus, what he found were bishops who said, oh, you want to see Jesus? Well, you got to pay so you can touch this relic so that its holiness will rub off on you. That way you're good enough to get to go see Jesus. When Martin Luther went to go look for Jesus, what he encountered were kings who said, you want to see Jesus? Well, you should pay for my crusade, not to reclaim the Holy Land, but just to get rid of this neighbor who's kind of ticking me off and maybe worships a little differently than I do. Martin Luther wanted to see Jesus, but all he could see was the exploitation of the poor, the betrayal of his community, the corruption of an institution that claimed that somewhere in the midst of it was Jesus. And perhaps that is what people experience when they look at the church today. Perhaps when people look at the church today, they they see an institution with a history of colonialism, of participating in global conflict. Perhaps when people look at the church today, they see a a relic, a dying institution that makes deals with political parties to cling to some sort of relevance in this culture. Perhaps when they look for Jesus, they don't see him because all they see in the place where they expect to find Christ is an institution defined by trouble and wrongdoing. Maybe that's what they see. But when Habakkuk says to God, why do you make me see wrongdoing? Why do you make me look at trouble? Habakkuk also says, but I will wait on the ramparts. I will stand by my post, and I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me regarding my complaint. And the Lord answers Habakkuk. The Lord answers Habakkuk by saying, there is still a vision. There is still a vision for the appropriate time. God is saying, yes, I know you're having trouble seeing me now, but look closely and you will catch a glimpse even now of what is yet to come. And to help Habakkuk see this glimpse of what God is doing in this mess of a system that Habakkuk is a part of, God says, look, look at the proud. Their spirit is not right within them. But the righteous live by their faith. God is saying to Habakkuk, look, 
Look at that wrongdoing. Look at that trouble that you don't want to see anymore. Don't turn away from it, but look at it closely. Look deeply within it because you will see that I am doing something in the midst of all of it. I am doing something that is not defined by that trouble, that is not defined by that wrongdoing, that is not defined by that institution, but it still exists in the midst of it. It says it's not found in the proud who try to use the systems of power to their advantage. It is found in people, in individuals, who even though the world says this is the way to get ahead, this is the structures of society, this is how the world works, God says there are other people who live by their faith, trusting that there is a way to be in this world that they cannot yet see. God says to Habakkuk, look for those people who live not by their love of power, but by the power of love. In Habakkuk's time, those people were rabbis. Because you see, the Jewish people had been conquered by the Babylonian army. They had been forced into exile. They were forced to work for the Babylonians. And so the Jewish people had no choice but to participate in the Babylonian empire. They didn't have a choice. But there were some people, Jewish people in Babylon, working for the Babylonians who said, we have to be here, we have to work, but we don't have to become them. We don't have to become the Babylonians. We don't have to find our identity and our purpose and working our way up this imperial ladder No, we can live in another way. And so Jewish people began to lift up leaders, not to recreate what they had lost back in Israel, a system of priests and temples and sacrifices and identity defined by allegiance to a king. No, instead, they built a community of God centered around studying God's word and caring for their neighbor. They created a community that would survive literally the worst horrors that humanity could imagine. And when the Babylonian Empire finally fell, as every empire does, that community of God continued. Because that community of God was not defined by institutions like temples or priesthoods or kings. That community was made up of people, was made up of the righteous who lived by faith. God is saying to Habakkuk, you want to see me? Look more closely still. Look not at the institution, but at the people in it who live by faith. I have invited myself into their midst and I will transform the world through them. Which is exactly what Jesus does in our gospel lesson today. Zacchaeus can't see Jesus, but Jesus can sure see Zacchaeus. Jesus walks right up to him and looks up at Zacchaeus standing up in that tree. And when Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus, Jesus doesn't see a sinner. Jesus doesn't see a cog in the Roman Empire. Jesus sees a son of Abraham, a fellow human being like himself. Jesus sees a man who wanted to know God so much that he was willing to make a fool of himself by being a grown man climbing a tree. Jesus saw someone who was willing to humble himself to know God. And maybe in Zacchaeus, Jesus saw a little bit of himself. For Jesus also would humble himself to know God by climbing the tree of the cross. But having seen Zacchaeus, Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. He says, I'm going to be a guest in your house today, Zacchaeus. 
But when Zacchaeus finds Jesus as a guest in his house, Zacchaeus has no choice but to repent. But it's interesting, right? Because everyone hates Zacchaeus because he's a Roman tax collector. But when Zacchaeus repents, he doesn't repent of being a tax collector. He doesn't repent of working for Rome. He doesn't repent of being a cog within this machine that is the empire. No, Zacchaeus continues to do all those things, but what he repents of is the injustice of participating in that system. What he repents of is being a part of that system according to the rules of Rome rather than the way of God. And so Zacchaeus says, I will give half my money to the poor, just straight up half of all the money I've made being a tax collector. I'll give it away. And if I have defrauded anyone, and he probably has, I will give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus is saying, look, someone has to work for Rome. If it's not me, it's going to be someone else. But I am going to do so in a new way. I am going to do so in a way that uses the tools of Rome for the service of God and neighbor. That's what Zacchaeus does. And the incredible thing about that is Jesus shows up in the midst of that change. Because Zacchaeus' tax collection, it will continue to pay for Rome's armies, it will continue to pay for Rome's roads, it will continue to pay for Rome's ships. But Jesus invites himself not only into Zacchaeus' life, he invites himself into the midst of every institution that Zacchaeus is funding. He invites himself into the midst of those Roman armies and when they conquer warring tribes that have been fighting with each other for generations, Jesus shows up in the midst and says, well, now one tribe can share God's love with another. And when Zacchaeus' money pays for those Roman roads, Jesus shows up in the midst of them and says, well, now my apostles can walk from Ireland to India on the roads that Rome has built for me. When Zacchaeus' taxes pay for ships, Jesus shows up in the midst of those and says, great, now my followers on the far-flung edges of the Mediterranean can write letters to each other and be bound together as the body of Christ across distances never before imagined. Yes, when the people look at that Roman Empire with its trouble and wrongdoing, they may struggle to see God, but Jesus invites himself into it anyway. And he transforms it from the inside. And when the Roman Empire falls some four and a half centuries later, the church continues. Because the church is not the armies, the church is not the roads, the church is not the ships, the church is the people. The people who live by their faith. They are the people who will write down in monasteries, copying by hand gospels that they had read before and before they fade away, they painstakingly by candlelight make another copy. The church will continue in priests who try to convince warring tribes as the empire collapses that instead of fighting with each other, maybe they could marry each other and build new kingdoms. The church will continue in peasants who care for each other in the midst of a plague. So that when another thousand years later, the German monk named Martin Luther goes to look for Jesus in the midst of the church and can't see it because of a corrupt institution. What he finds is that Jesus has invited himself there also. 
Jesus has invited himself there in the form of Martin Luther's priest, his father confessor, who says to Luther, you are loved. You need to stop worrying about your salvation and read for yourself Jesus' words. The priest who convinces Luther to become a priest himself, to become a professor, to know the words of Christ. Because when Luther actually sits down and looks at the words that had been passed down through this church, which he felt was so corrupt, he saw in the words copied down by generation after generation of monks, Jesus looking back up at him. And Jesus said to him the words that God says to Habakkuk, the righteous live by their faith. And in those words, what Luther heard Jesus saying was, why are you working so hard to try to see me? Can't you trust that I have invited myself into your life? Can't you trust that when I look up at you, Luther, I don't see a, a sinner? I don't see a cog in a corrupt machine. I see a son of Abraham. I see a child of God. And this day I will stay in your house. When Luther saw Jesus already in his life, Luther couldn't help but repent. But Luther didn't repent of being a priest. He didn't repent of being a part of a church. What Luther repented of was that he had spent so much time trying to see Jesus instead of helping other people see that Jesus had already invited himself into their lives. He repented of working so hard to get a ticket into heaven when this whole time Jesus had already given him heaven now. And so what Luther did is he transformed the tools of the church that had oppressed him into the very tools that would proclaim Christ's love. He translated the Bible into the common language of the people, something that hadn't been done for a thousand years. He took the music of a church service, which only monks had been allowed to sing in Latin, and he transformed it into hymns in the language of the common people so that everyone could sing God's praises together. He preached about how, yes, there is good work to be done for the sake of our neighbor, but not because God needs it to let us into heaven, but because God has given us heaven now. And so out of our joy, we want to share it with each other. And in response to all these things, popes excommunicated Luther, kings tried to kill Luther, wars erupted in Europe, buildings were burned to the ground, and yet in the midst of all this violence and destruction, in the midst of all this trouble and wrongdoing, the church continued. Because the church was none of the institutions that got destroyed in the midst of the Reformation. The church was the people who were living by faith. And some of those people, they left Europe and they came to the, the Americas and, and some of those people had children and some of them came out to California and some of them founded Faith Lutheran Church right here in Chico. And the world might look at Faith Lutheran Church and it might see trouble and wrongdoing. It might say, wow, this institution. They spend time arguing about what music to sing in church. They can't figure out what to do with their front lawn. Their worship services last too long. I look at them, I don't see Jesus. All I see is trouble and wrongdoing. And that could be. Because it's a curious thing. 
God has this habit of working through people, but people, whenever they get together, whether it's in a business or in a family or in a government, or yes, even in a church, they got problems. They're not perfect. And so why should we be surprised when the institutions they create are not perfect? But God keeps saying to generation after generation, to Habakkuk, to Zacchaeus, to Luther, keep watch, keep looking, look, see that the proud are not right in their spirit, but that the righteous live by faith. See that I am in the midst of even these broken institutions because I am not the institution, I am the people who live by faith within them. Today we welcome eight new members into the life of our congregation. And these members have gone through a class in which I explained to them that Lutheranism does not have a pretty history, right? There was lots of wars of religion uh, during the 17th century in Europe, and Lutherans in Germany didn't do great during the 20th century either. I explained to them that our modern denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, has a only moderately functional bureaucracy that we call a church. They've figured out by now that this local congregation is not a well-oiled machine. And yet, they say they want to be a part of this church because, like Habakkuk, like Zacchaeus, like Luther, they have kept watch, they have kept looking, and they have seen in the midst of all the brokenness that is here that there are people who live by faith. They have seen that Christ has invited himself into this institution, maybe against our best efforts. They see that Christ shows up in each and every single one of you who gives them a warm welcome, who sees them not as sinners to be shunned, but as children of God to be welcomed. They see in you Christ when you desire to serve and love your neighbor beyond the bounds of this congregation. They see in you Christ when you gather to faithfully proclaim God's word and sing together in an an imperfect worship service. In you they have seen Christ. And having seen Christ in you, they want to be Christ with you. So may we join them, not in being members of an institution, but in being the body of Christ in being the God who works in the midst of this troubled and imperfect world by being people of faith who will always carry God's Spirit. Amen.